And welcome to Desolate Ada. Hey everybody, uh, welcome to Desolate Ada. Uh, I hope everyone had a great Circuit Python day on Friday. I know we did. Um, show and tell was amazing. I know there were talks and events and codes and yep. sprints. And, and more and more and more. Um, uh, Mr. Lady, do we have any updates or things? Just tell people to go to Silicon. No, we did all that. We did all that. We're just going to jump right into Desk Lady Ada this week. Okay. Lady Ada, what is on your desk this week? You're here for the electronics, and so am I. So let's get into it. Okay, so last week um, we talked about light sensors. And um, you, one of the things I was uh, talking about doing was designing a circuit playground with an RP2040. Which doesn't have a lot of analog inputs, and so I wanted to replace the analog sensor, um, the analog light sensor, with the um, LTR329, uh, which I think I showed off. So let's just bump really quickly to the copy, and I can just show this off real fast. So this is the sensor uh, that we found um, because it's a really good price. It's you know like 30, 20 cents. I squared C sensor, and it's in stock. I love things that are in stock right now. Um, so I got some, uh, pardon me, I got some of those sensors in hand. And one of the things that um, is like my favorite thing in the world is when a sensor has the same footprint as another sensor because it means I can use, like I don't have to design a new board. Because like, you know, the, 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 the designing of the hardware, it doesn't take a long time to design the hardware, but it does take a long time to order the PCB and get it back and get all the parts and like you place it by hand. Um, so one of the cool things is that as I was working on this, I noticed that this had the same footprint as the uh, GUV-B. GUV um, this sensor, it's made by a different company, but just coincidentally, it's got that same uh, four-pin package. And so um, what's neat is I uh, go to the overhead real fast. I can, I can show this off. We'll zoom in, too, because these are small parts. Okay, so this is, uh, you can kind of see behind the, the Sharpie, it was a, a GOOVB sensor, and I just hot aired the old sensor off, and I put that LTR329 on, and um, it, you know, not only is the package the same, but the pins were the same. To again, total weirdo coincidence, I think, because it's a totally different company. Oftentimes when it's the same company, you will see, you know, they, they try not to change, they try to keep the footprints the same, because um, it just, it makes everybody's lives a lot easier, so... Um, you know, if you've used like the VL53 series um, of uh, distance sensors from ST, there's like the VL53 and VL53LC4 and then VL54, five, whatever. There's like five, five or six different chips, but they all have the same pinout in the same package. Um, ditto with a lot of sensors. We've seen sensors the same, like the BMP280, the BME280, the BME680, all. They're still a little bit bigger or smaller, but the, the pads are the same, and so it actually makes... Um, if I remember correctly, so it just makes it a little easier to to use um, those sensors um, all together. Maybe BMP two eighty, the BME two eighty, and I think maybe the BME whatever three eighty three eighty eight. I don't remember, but they're all very similar. Anyways, so I pop this on, and then um, let's go back to the computer, and uh, I wrote a quick driver for it. Um, it lives here, LTR. 329, again, you know, one of the things I've been doing lately is I've been writing my drivers in CircuitPython Python using a FT232H as an I2C converter. And then I tested on hardware, but, you know, 
the rapid coding I'm, I do on a computer and it's because it's so much easier to de debug and it's quick. Um, you know, I can see I squared C traces. It's like easier to print stuff out than Arduino where like every time you do something, you have to recompile. So I do save, you know, I can write a driver in a couple hours. It's much faster. Um, and, you know, you there's just, there's like, it's just, you know, you can just like create an array and the array is created and you don't have to worry about it. Like memory's managed for you. It's, it's kind of a blessing. Of course, it uses more memory, but... Um, but you know it runs on a computer. You know I learned a couple things about um, the ALS uh, 329. Um, so hold on, let's go back to. Oh wait, actually I have the driver here. Uh, so the the 329 uh, is uh, you know it's very simple. It only has four pins. Um, it has two uh, diodes. One is visible plus IR, and one is IR. Um, the only thing that's a little bit interesting about the sensor is you really have to read those two at the same time in one I squared C transaction. Um, the way the the like data ready bit works is it, it's expecting you to read both at the same time. So I kind of had to like mess with the driver a little bit and, and the examples to make it clear that if you're going to use the data ready bit, because when you read it, it clears and if it like happens to go like if you're reading the two in two I squared C transactions. You know, eventually the interrupt comes in between and you end up clearing it. You don't realize you've cleared it. Um, it's just a detail. Um, but yeah, otherwise this was, you know, pretty easy sensor to get going. And then um, I'll just plug it into my uh, FT232 here. So I got my, my board. And I'll have the simple test. And, you know, it's, it's just, uh, move to the side here so you can see. Yeah, I just got data coming out. Um, one thing that is interesting is, uh, you know, you can you can overwhelm the sensor. Although I don't, yeah, you can see like visible gets gets negative. Um, you can overwhelm the sensor, and there's another bit for data valid. Like if it overflows, like you will actually you can test the bit. So the the advanced example does all that like the data validity. Oops, this seems to happen when I, yeah, my my cable's not plugged in all the way. There you go. Um, so yeah, the data. There's a couple like cool bits and stuff. So it's a it's a good sensor. Uh, one thing that is nice is it does IR as well as visible. And um, I was talking to Mr. Lady and we were out um, having lunch. And uh, while we were walking to lunch, I was like, oh, you know, one of the cool things is because it has visible and infrared, I could put an IR LED, you know, somewhere on the board and then use this as a distance sensor. Not a great distance sensor, but, you know, IR is way better than light because light is affected by ambient light a lot more, um, whereas, you know, infrared is not. Now, the only thing is you can't do PWM infrared, which is, like, the right way to do, uh, like, the pulses, but I'm willing to try it, see how it goes. So there's there's that sensor. And then while I was here, you know, I, was, uh, I also looked at... Um, if you remember, I also looked at the big sister, which is the LTR 303. And um, this sensor uh, is very similar to the LTR 329. So it's a couple cents more, um, but it has six pins and it has an interrupt pin, which is like, you know, it, otherwise it's actually interesting. The register map is the same. It just has like this interrupt pin. Um, and the package is slightly different. Let me see if I can find a photo of the package. Yeah, it's got um, it's got six six pads instead of four. 
Um, but again, you know, I, I this was um, I was kind of like, ah, you know, I wonder if it has the same package as the LTR. 390, you know, which is a very, it's a UV only sensor, but it's very similar. It's a six pin light sensor. And it turns out that yes, it has the exact same pin out. And so, um, I, uh, let's go to the overhead. I took an LTR. I just like did this right before the show. I took an LTR 390 and I, I hot aired the old sensor off and then I plugged the new sensor in. And again, the register, register maps are the same. Um, and so when I run it, I actually, uh, I get data out of this uh, just the same. So all I have to do is, is update the library to add interrupt uh, functionality. And basically the driver will be done. So I got you know, these two sensors going. And then I also, while I was at it, I was like, well, I might as well get this, um, this Goov B or Goov A sensor, this I squared C UV sensor that I designed like months and months ago. Um, so I got this going and um, you know, it's an interesting sensor. It's from Genicom, and, like, they make, you know, they're like a crane company. They don't make a lot of stuff. They do make these sensors, and, and they work. Um, I'll say the data sheet is a little bit, like, challenging. Um, there's a couple different versions. Some of them are missing data. Like, some of them are, like, to be determined. Um, I eventually did find enough data to, to get UV information from it. Um, there's a calculation also for, cal you know, doing UV index from UVA or UVB. Um, but we took it out. There was a little video where we, we, you know, we'll post probably tomorrow or the next day where we went out to the park and I, I had it on this, um, on this feather and I have it printing out the, uh, UV raw data and the UV index. And like the index went up to like, it was like 15, like it was really sunny out, but it wasn't UV index 15. So I got to figure out what's up with the calculation. Um, this is kind of like what I do. It's like, you know, what, like, like what's the difference between like Adafruit drivers and other drivers? It's like, I'll actually like email the company and try to get an answer and a data sheet and example code and, and I'll, I'll make the library uh, do the right thing. Cause I found some people who tried to do the index calculation and they all, I don't think they did it right. So eh, whatever. Um, but I'll, hopefully I'll be able to figure that out. If not, the, the data, the raw count data is good and it comes in uh, UVA and UVB versions. So it's meant for scientific, you know, um, or outdoor measurements. Um, I'd love to have a UVC sensor. UVC sensors are, are hard to get. Um, they tend to be a lot more expensive, and I haven't found one yet that is I squared C, you know, and that just is a UVC band. But, you know, that's cool. Um, so there's a lot of light sensors this week. And then um, I also wrapped up the tester for the Max 17048. Um, Y'all remember two weeks ago, um, I talked about this chip because the LC... 709203 um, battery charger, sorry, battery monitor fuel gauge that we've been using um, is uh, disc it's like not discontinued, but they're kind of like slowly getting rid of it, or it's end of line, and, and we can still get it, but eventually that's going to end, um, even though I've found that some parts are easier to get these days. Uh, I need to have an alternative, and this is a fairly inexpensive alternative. It's like about a dollar a piece, maybe a little bit less. Uh, it's very low power. Um, what's neat is that the um, pinout of the breakout board and the size of the breakout is exactly the same because it's it's pretty much the same. So this tester is actually designed for the LC709, but I just swapped it out with um, the, you know, this breakout, updated the code, and uh, you know it does a quick test. It just you know verifies it um, can read the 
the analog voltage here. This is from the 3.3 volt line. Um, I squared C works. Uh, you know, I check the interrupt and the quick start pin. Um, and if that's good, then it beeps. So this tester means probably be fabbing this this week, which is very exciting. Okay, I think that's all of my updates. All right, let's do a question and then yeah, we'll, let's do, then the we'll do a great search. Cool. So the question is, I know you haven't done anything with the smaller NRF52 chips, but what would you recommend to do when trying to cope with the NRF soft device hex being bigger than the flash on the chip? I've tried smaller soft device files, but I'm not sure how to proceed. Yeah, I have no idea. You're you're kind of on your own. I mean, if you're if you're not using, um, if you're using the much smaller boards that you or smaller chips, you need to use Nordic's SDK. They designed it specifically for their stuff. They're going to have code and examples. Um, one of the things that we have to kind of remind people is, we write code and we can test on our hardware. If we don't sell the hardware, we don't test it. So there's no real way for us to know if it works or if it doesn't work or how to fix it. Um, so, you know, you're, you're in, you're in uncharted forests or waters or exploring new lands. Um, but Nordic, uh, does have really good tech support. I'm sure they'll be able to help you. All right. Let's do great search. Okay. The Great Search brought to you by Adafruit and DigiKey. Thanks, DigiKey. Every single week, Lady Ada uses her powers of engineering to help you find the parts that you're looking for on digikey.com. Lady Ada, what is this week's Great Search? I'm glad you asked. This one, I'm pulling it up right now. Um, so this week's Great Search, you'll never believe it. It's a part that's no longer available. Um, yeah. But I also I wanted to use this sort of as, as an excuse to look into and research some um, a class of sensors that is near and dear to my heart, but you know, there's it's always kind of like funky um, learning about them, which is gas and volatile organic compound sensors. Um, so the board that we've been making, we can maybe go to the computer, um, is the CCS811. This is actually one of the first, you know, low cost I squared C gas sensors available. There, there are gas sensors that are analog. Um, Let's see, there's quite a few gas sensors. There's like this. This is the traditional kind of gas sensor. It's, you know, an analog output. Um, you have to turn on the heater and you have to kind of do a little bit of management and then read it. Um, what's nice is that since, you know, these, these sensors are quite good. Um, and they're, they're, that's what, this is how you measure gases. Um, depending on how the sensor is doped, um, it can measure, you know, I think carbon monoxide and alcohols and ethanes and usually they mix a whole, you know, like nit nitrogen oxides, whatever. They, they usually can sense a whole bunch of things at once. Um, you need an analog output and then they have to be calibrated. But for a lot of people, they just want to measure like air quality, like, you know, is, is there alcohol or gas in the area? Um, this is different than carbon dioxide sensors, which are also gas sensors, but are they usually use a different methodology. Um, we, you know, we have a couple CO2 sensors. The, the good ones that I really like are the um, SCD30 and the SCD40. The SCD30 is, you know, an amazing uh, gas sensor. It has, um, you know, an NDIR sensor tube, and it's like really well calibrated, and they're very, very good sensors, and they're true CO2 sensors. Um, most other sensors are kind of, they, they guess the CO2 based on volatile organic uh, compounds. Um, so, hold on, let me go back. So usually when you do, sorry, 
yes. Um, you know, a sensor like the, um, you know, SGP30, for example, it'll say volatile organic compounds and FeCO2, effective CO2. So it's, it's kind of trying to guess, calculate the CO2 based on um, the volatile organic compounds. It, it's not true, but it does, it does a fairly good job. But, you know, these are usually used, you know, air quality sensors indoor and outdoor, uh, not particulate, but for, for gases. Um, also lots of scientific uh, use case as well. But uh, so as I mentioned, the, the CCS811 was a classic one, uh, one of the first ones. People rather liked it. Um, but uh, and you know, we kind of, for now, we recommend the SGP30, uh, which is a pretty good sensor in a, as an alternative. Um, it's no longer manufactured. So, you know, there is an alternative for this chip. The, uh, hold on. They recommend ah, substitutes. They recommend the ENS 160, which I think is made by the same company, um, which is also a great sensor. Um, the bad news is that uh, you're like, when am I going to get some? And it's like, you know, like, Happy New Year 2023, which, you know what? And I'm happy. I will, when, when that happens, I will, I will probably pick some up and we'll, we'll make a breakout for this. Uh, and all is good, but I wanted to find another gas sensor maybe in the meantime, uh, like while, while I wait for this to, to pop into stock. So uh, let's go to the gas sensor category. And I'm also, you know, it's interesting, I'm not looking for a direct replacement, I'm just kind of like seeing like what's, what's up in this category. So it's still kind of like a little vague. Um, I'm gonna look for active designs only because uh, that's where I'm at. And you know, I'm not actively looking again, I have other gas sensors. So I want something that's normally stocking. It doesn't have to be, you know, in stock today. Um, one thing that I did notice, I just sorted by, you know, quantity available, is uh, a bunch of CO2 sensors popped up, which is which is fine. But I actually I don't I don't want CO2 sensors. Those are again, they're they're kind of different than air quality sensors. So I selected everything, and then I um, I unselected carbon dioxide. That got me about 200, 200 things. Um, so a couple good things. So you know, the SGP40 uh, this is a sensor that I've used. Um, it's kind of the next gen of the SGP30. Uh, a good, it's a good sensor. You, know, you can get um, data out of it. It does have this kind of secondary library that you need to use to actually do some, some calculations. Um, that's not unusual. Uh, there's also apparently the SGP41, which I didn't know about, so I'm actually going to check this out because it's like, I, I'm assuming this is just some improved version of the SGP40. Um, there's the SGP40 CO2 sensor, which still made it through. Um, and then there's this kind of interesting, the Z-Mods. What's interesting is I'd heard of these, but you know I'm kind of fascinated whenever I see something with 25,000 pieces in stock at DigiKey because it's kind of like, oh, this must be like somewhat popular because they would not stock that many of something if it wasn't. And so I was kind of like interested in looking at this a little bit more. So we'll do that in a moment. And there's a couple in that family as well. And then um, like you see, there's the Z-Mod 4450, 44510, you know, A version, B version. Um, so there's a couple of these. There's the Sen 50, which uh, actually contains an SGP41. We covered this on INPI earlier, but really it looks like the Z mods are kind of like taking over. Like there's the SGPs and there's the SCDs, but 
Um, but these are the most interesting. So um, what's cool about these is um, they're from Renaissance, who, who does make sensors and such. Let's see if we can load up the data sheet. If not, I will, uh, I'll just go to the... Uh-oh. Um, okay, so it's outdoor air quality sensor platform. Um, so what's interesting about this sensor is um, for interfacing, at least, it's I2C. Uh, so that's, that's kind of good. I like to see that. Like, I don't like it when it's like, hey, we came with some weird-ass interface. Um, I2C is pretty standard. Not worried about being able to, to communicate with it. The, um, the interesting thing is it does various measurements. Looks like it measures like nitrogen, dioxide, ozone, um, air quality. It's got, you know, it's a MOX resistant sensor like all of these are. And one of the things about MOX sensors, I will say just because, you know, I've used them a couple times, is like that analog sensor I showed you earlier, there's not a lot going on with these. Like, they are pretty much all made the same way. There's a few patents that expired probably, and so people are making more of them. But like, the concept is the same. Like, once you kind of dope it, you get this gas resistance. And, you know, you, you have to calibrate a little bit, you have to normalize it, but you pretty much are just tracking this resistance and trying to convert that into, um, a, you know, a semi-calibrated output of what the air quality is. Um, so there's good news and bad news about that. One, the good news is that, you know, technically once the patents expire and people know how to make these, it's, it's not too difficult to just manufacture these um, gas sensors. The problem is, is that there is, in, in, you know, as an outsider looking in, it seems like because the, the technology is quite simple, like not simple, but it's, um, you're just getting resistance value and then, you know, you, you, you track that and do with whatever you need to with it. The firmware, the stuff that actually reads that resistance and, and calculates that into something, um, is usually, uh, either baked into the chip like the SGP30, or for more complicated stuff, it's kind of this external processor. And it reminds me a little bit of 9DOF sensors or 6DOF sensors where, you know, you get accelerometer and gyro data or magnetometer data, but then you have to fusion it together. And that's where intellectual property kind of comes in and becomes a firmware issue. So, you know, I looked into this and it's an interesting chip, um, but, but here's the deal. Um, you know, the data sheet is actually kind of empty. There's like really, you know, usually you open a data sheet and it's like registers and pins and bits and all that. There's there's kind of nothing here. Um, they always have this like standard I2C um, diagram and it's like, if you've, if you've never heard of I2C before, like you read all about it and they always are like, hey, you used, you, there's a stop bit. It's like, yeah, cool. Um, but then there's nothing after that um, because what you're expected to do is you down you have to submit a request to get the firmware and the firmware comes as a binary blob that you then link in with your um, application. So you know they have binaries for like most popular platforms like uh, you know ARM Cortex M zeros and Espressive chips. Um, you don't get to see the code. You 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 feed it. You know you feed it the data, and out, out pops this algorithmic thing. It also reminds me a little bit of capacitive touch. Like microchip does the same thing with um, QTouch. Capacitive touch is just 
a capacitive reading. There's not there's not a lot going on. There's a couple different ways of doing the waveform, but for the most part, you're reading capacitive data and it, it floats around and then it spikes and it goes down. Um, so the intellectual property is how you filter that data and they'd want to control that. And so, uh, you know, these days when you get Q-Touch, it's not on the chip giving you raw data. Instead, you have to, um, I mean, you can get the raw data sometimes, but they sort of hide that. Instead, you're supposed to use this binary interface. So, you know, it's, it's interesting um, seeing how sensors have, have changed. Um, one thing I do like about Sincerian is they don't have that. Like when you when you use their sensors, they really do pop out in I squared C. Whatever data you need, it's there. It's like CO two level. You read the register. You do a little bit of like shifting math or whatever. Out pops the number. Um, with these sensors, you know it is a little bit less expensive. You'll see it's like you know three fifty instead of five ten or whatever. Um, but in exchange, what they do is they don't have a powerful processor on the chip you have to use this binary blob instead. So, you know, it's, it's interesting, especially for people who are used to temperature humidity sensors that are just very simplistic in their functionality to sensors that really are mostly a front end um, to a firmware processing system. And you need, you know, I don't think that, maybe they have a library for AVR 8-bit, but, you know, they probably kind of require Cortex-M0 to do a lot of this calculation. Um, and it's, of course, under NDA. So. Yeah, it's interesting. I'm going to take a look at this chip um, and, you know, maybe I can see if they've released uh, a library that I can use because it's going to be tough for me to write a library when the firmware is under NDA. Um, but we'll, uh, we'll see what's possible. So this is the, uh, the Zmod 4510. I guess this is the new, this is the new, new way of the sensor. Um, so folks, got to get used to it. That's a great search. All right. Okay. That's our show for tonight. I'm looking around to make sure there's nothing we've got to take care of. No. Questions? We're all good. I'm going to get us out. See okay. you for a week, throughout the week, for a series of Adafruit shows. Thanks for spending your time with us. We very much appreciate it. And we'll see you around. Bye, everybody.